3: Ah, uh, yes, he is. And if you're the 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020, my producer this morning, the pride of Bloomfield, Christopher Ranallo, You are going to win yourself a $25 gift certificate from the good folks at Sorgles. We've got that Janoski's gift certificate to give away in about 30 minutes. Doug's got a great guest coming up, but he'd love to hear from you right now about all of your gardening needs. 866-391-1020. And yeah, Mrs. Know-It-All, too. All within the next 54 minutes or so. So let's get right to the host with the most. Here he is, digging the rainy weather because he loves digging in the garden, Doug Oster. Hey, Douglas. Good morning. How are you? I am spectacular, sir.
4: All right, yeah, rain, rain, beautiful rain. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a second. But our guest uh, coming up at 715, Bob Mulvihill, he's an ornithologist from the National Aviary, and there's a uh, a viral disease affecting songbirds, and we've been not feeding the birds uh, because of this disease, and so he's going to fill us in on all the details there. But, oh, man, that rain... (laughs) Uh, I went into my little sanctuary and closed the door, and it was at night, even though it was really sticky, I just opened all the windows up and listened to that soft rain at night just uh, coming down for hours. It was just wonderful. This is, for me, the start of the third part of the season. You know, we've got rain coming up off and on this week. In fact, I have rain coming right now, <laughs> uh, and uh, now that we have a break from that hot, dry weather, there's so much that we can do. Uh, I've been you know again, out looking for bargains. I found some great plants. Uh, people, you know' they're, you know, perennials, they're trying to move perennials out as, as new perennials will come in in September, and there's just lots of deals out there. Uh, also, for vegetables, uh, yeah, I've planted spinach, lettuce, arugula, beets, Swiss chard kale, some mustard greens turnip green, something called cat soy, which is it's from the kale family. It's just a, a deep green plant that loves cool weather. These are great things to start now. Get them going. And you know me, I love to harvest all the way through the season. Certainly all this stuff will go until Christmas, maybe beyond. Uh, I've got some hydrangeas that need to be moved. This is a good time to do that. I'm planting other shrubs. Uh, I, again, this weather is just perfect as a gardener that's what we're looking at we're looking at the weather patterns and this is the perfect one for planting uh for your yard uh, the the grass adding seed right now would be great fertilizing uh aerating would be a great job to do right now get that lawn ready for the winter uh another thing I I'm, I'm trying I'm I'm planting some perennials from seed right now to plant in about 6 weeks and uh, as I said, boy, I'm just <laughs> finding bargains every every place I stop. I'm finding a bargain perennial that I can shoehorn into the garden. Uh, things that I love. Uh, that again, they're 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 uh, almost giving them away. You know, I saw roses on sale, other shrubs, trees. This is just a great planting time uh, right now because of the weather and and things cooling off, getting lots of rain. Uh, A little later on, Mrs. Know-It-All, she's going to talk about some diseases she's seeing in the garden, Uh, you know, hostas and all sorts of other things, some stuff I hadn't heard about before. And the next trip coming up is in May. I am taking people to the Chelsea Flower Show in England. And then after that, (laughs) we're crossing over into Holland to see this thing called Floriad. It is... Uh, only every 10 years, it is a 143-acre town created just for this garden celebration. Uh, it's going to be awesome, and I've got seats left. But you know, even though it's all the way in May, people are excited to travel again, and it's selling pretty good. So, if you're interested in seeing the Chelsea Flower Show, that is the Super Bowl of flower shows. Uh, go to DougOster.com and. We'll have a lot of fun when we go there. I just got back from Croatia. Uh, Costa Rica is sold out, but um, England is going to be a lot of fun. Anybody on the, the phone there, Rob?
3: Not yet, Doug. So continue to kind of dazzle us what you'd like to talk about over the next hour.
4: Well, you know, when Bob Mulvihill comes on here at 715, uh, or a little after 715, we've known each other for, gosh, I think 20 years. And anytime time I have a bird question... I send it to him as an ornithologist for the National Aviary. He knows everything, and I love feeding the birds. And not feeding the birds this summer has been uh, just—you know—it's just—it's so different. So I want to find out everything from from him about that. I did uh, talk to an expert also about hydrangeas. I wrote a story called Why Doesn't My Hydrangea Bloom? That is the number one garden question. And uh, a woman who wrote a book called Success with Hydrangeas, her name is Lorraine Bellotto, I talked to her all about the different hydrangeas and I really learned a lot. You know, there's there's many, there's like many different types of hydrangeas. Some are reliable bloomers and some are not. And so all that information is at dougoster.com. You know how I love uh Ham's Daffodil Hortus. That is a daffodil collection down in Washington, Pennsylvania. You should go down and see it in the spring. Put that on your list. Put that on your calendar. It's the greatest collection of blooming daffodils I've ever seen. Well, he's selling some of his extra bulbs. I've also got that information at DougOster.com. Uh, I, I, you know, this is these are bulbs that you're never going to find anywhere else, uh, and. If you're looking for something, then you don't. If you look through. There's no pictures. You gotta. You gotta get the name of the bulb, put it into this thing called Daft Seek, see what it looks like. But if you if you're interested in just growing something vintage and different, uh, there's one called Twin Sisters that that I love. It's late bloomer, uh, very fragrant, and it just it makes bulbs like crazy you know over the years it's just a, a wonderful wonderful variety but he's got all sorts of cool stuff the old stuff new stuff and it's just it's buying bulbs from him helps support what they're doing down there and his his work is pretty amazing just seeing all these incredible bulbs uh, i don't know if it's still available but you can buy spencer tracy and katherine hepburn together as as a uh, te- teamed up. I think that's kind of cool. He introduced uh Catherine Hepburn. Actually, Spencer Tracy was introduced in 1943, I think it was, and uh, the all his volunteers there said, "Hey, there's no Catherine Hepburn," and uh, he found a sport and named it Catherine Hepburn. And it it planted a couple beds away from Spencer Tracy. Another thing you can do right now, start looking for some local garlic. If you want to plant garlic, we do that in October. Uh, You know me, I'm really into garlic. Uh, You can find it at a local farmer's market. I know for sure Janoski's has garlic. I got some great garlic from them last year. When you do buy it as a uh, food source, as opposed to a seed, it's the same thing. It's just cheaper as food. And so you could just go to the market at Janoski's, buy their local garlic, and just eat some and then save some of the plant in October. Uh, some of the biggest bulbs I had this year came from Janoski's. From and if you just you can if you can find local garlic, you don't want to use garlic just like right out of the, the store unless you know where it's from because it, it might be from California. Uh, it might be from China. You don't know if it's going to be hardy. And so when we get one from a local farm like Janoski's, we know that we can plant that thing and it's going to go to town. Um, It's just, you know, growing your own garlic is just like growing anything else in in the garden. It's just, it's a different animal, you know, it's just filled with different, every every variety has different flavors and different amount of spice, Uh, you know, when you cut open and smash one of those fresh garlic cloves, it's just filled with garlic oil, and it's just, it's good for you, and it tastes great, it's just absolutely wonderful. How are we doing there, Rob?
3: We're doing great. Hey, real quick, and you know, we've got Bob coming up in just a moment, and I know you're going to talk more about this subject. Andy and I were actually talking about it yesterday. Now a lot of on society and others saying it's safe. You know, put the feeders out, bird baths back out. So is it safe? And we're going to talk to Bob about that. Or are we going to talk about you know finding the source so it doesn't happen again? Kind of fill us in what you're going to be talking to him about.
4: Figure out what what's going on. You know, I want to hear from a scientific expert like Bob. I'm. I'm Sure, he's been updated almost daily on what's going on with the songbirds. And so, yes, uh, we're going to talk about should we be feeding or should we wait? Um, you know, same with the bird bass. And then we'll probably also get into some stuff about planting for the birds to help them out. Uh, I like to talk about, about that sort of thing, you know, what we should be planting, uh, you know, where we should be planting it. Uh, also, you know, <laughs> whenever you feed the birds, you also have to deal with the squirrels. And so we'll have lots of, lots of stuff to talk about after the break, uh, all, all about songbirds, feeding the birds, and the disease that is bothering them. Uh, because as I said, you know, it, it's, I, I miss seeing my birds, but I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing for them, and uh, we'll see what Bob has to say.
3: All right, we'll get to him in just a moment. Again, this is The Organic Gardener, DougOster.com, and Rob Pratt every Sunday, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Odyssey 100.1 FM, AM 1020 KDK. Back with more in a moment. Yeah, he is, and he's got a great guest, so let's get right back to Doug Oster, com. Doug.
4: I'm very excited to welcome Bob Malvahill, ornithologist from the National Aviary to the show. Bob and I have been friends, as I said, for a very long time, and he is my go-to expert whenever I have a bird question. Good morning, Bob. How are you?
2: Good morning, Doug. I'm fine, and you?
4: I'm doing great. So tell me what's going on with my precious songbirds. <laughs>
2: Your precious songbirds are just fine. Um, they, have, uh, they have been fine all through this difficult period for all of us uh, who have missed having them at our window, so to speak. Um, they, they have had lots and lots of natural foods to forge on. We may not think so, but they've always, um, they've always mixed that into their, their diet, even when we uh, give them lots and lots of uh, added birdseed. Uh, so they've been fine, and this uh, this disease seems to have played out. So the the you know the birds that that got sick and died earlier in the summer um, that has not that scenario has not continued, and the Pennsylvania Game Commission, the National Audubon Society, uh, and others have. Have made it clear that it is uh, it is all right to go ahead and start putting your bird feeders out and fill your bird baths. Now um, there's uh, not uh, there's no there's no worry about uh, c- communication of a disease um, among your birds. So that's the good news, and um, and it's just in time for you know for the the beginning of bird migration. So um, you know it's it's a nice time to start thinking about bird
4: feeding again. Well, what was it like for you because for me it was very very strange not to have the feeders filled up you know
2: Doug I uh, I actually uh, stopped feeding at the very first inkling of this issue so before there were any official pronouncements um, when I when I saw what was coming in terms of the information I just you know I just Proactively uh, took all my feeders in, so um, so I probably had had them taken in for uh, maybe up to a couple of weeks ahead of any official pr- pronouncement to do that. Um, you know, it, it was fine. It, you know, you you uh, I, I was kind of surprised that I you know once once the decision was made um, and I knew that this was a bountiful time for a year for the birds that n- no one was going to suffer as a result of. of you know, my feeders not being available. Um, It was really okay. I mean, I was, I I would, I would have been, uh, I think any of, any of your listeners would have been, you know, heartsick to, to, to have found that, you know, by bringing birds in to their feeders, uh, there might be an outbreak of some, some mystery disease um, like we saw many places. So, you know, no, I didn't find it too difficult, to be honest.
5: So uh, for for
2: those, yeah, for those who are worried, I I think there's no doubt the birds will find their way back to feeders in in in,
4: in very short order. So when you're thinking about from a gardening standpoint, uh, what the birds need, what are some things we're getting to to prime time planting season now? What are some Mm -hmm. things we should think about growing that will help the birds?
2: You know, I think you should be thinking about um, especially, you know, things that are, are woody plants. Um, you know, that, like you say, this is the prime time for for uh, planting, um, you know, bald trees and, and shrubs. Um, I think that, you know, you should be thinking about the things that are native species that uh, have um, some kind of a, <clears throat> a seed or, or fruit um, or... Uh, which will grow up to be uh, sort of the, um, the target for a lot of herbivorous insects, so leaf-eating caterpillars and things. And just fill your yard with as, as many of those as you can. Every fall, plant, um, plant a, a serviceberry, you know, amelanchier, um, any of those species, whether the ones that grow full into a full tree size, uh plant or those that are, are shrubbier. They'll all produce a, a wonderful fruit, in early June um, that birds absolutely adore. Um, we know from the work of our, our friend Doug Calamy that that, uh, that if you plant oak trees, if you're going to plant a shade tree or replace a shade tree in your yard, any species of our native oaks uh, will harbor a great many um, insects that, that feed on the leaves of oak trees, which in turn will uh, provide a, a abundant forage for, The scarlet tanagers and the warblers and the thrushes that are that are moving through uh, your yard in in the springtime. So I I would think about those those kinds of things, especially fruiting fruiting uh, plants, uh, fruiting shrubs, and um, and trees like oaks that are going to ultimately be extremely beneficial.
4: Well, I'm very excited to be able to fill up my feeders again, Bob. (laughs) Uh, I miss seeing the birds. Go ahead. Think
2: how much money you saved, Doug?
4: That's Think true. How much but, money you saved? You know, I felt <laughs> I was doing the right thing, like like you. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it would have been heart sick if if feeding those birds would have caused them more stress. But I'm I'm happy to be able to see them again. And then you know, people should visit the aviary, Bob, because it is it, one cool place. Oh,
2: it, it's 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 the coolest place.
4: Really, it is. It is, and it's getting
2: cooler all the time. And you know, so yes, please do visit the aviary. You know, it's a fantastic way to be have birds all around you. So if you need a bird fix, you know, you've been missing having birds around you. Uh, just step into the National Aviary,
4: and you'll have birds from all around the world all around you. Um, it's a pretty great All right, great Bob. Experience. Thank you so much for being part of the show today, and for setting us straight on our songbirds. And everybody out there, go visit the National Aviary. It is a wonderful place.
3: Yes, birds of a feather do stick together. Ladies and gentlemen, good stuff from Doug and Bob. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Rob Taylor's got the news bottom of the hour, and we'll give you an opportunity on a gift certificate from the good folks familia of mine, the Janoski family. Then, of course, Mrs. Know-it-all still to come. But here's the key. This is the opportunity for you to call in, whatever the question may be. Because we want to hear from you. We are wide open on the phone lines. 866-391-1020. 866-391-1020. Heinz ketchup recipes. All 57 varieties. All ingredients into something delicious. From a cake to a steak. We'll talk about it all today. Coming up on the Coons Cooking Hour. Which starts right after the news today. But we've still got some digging in the garden to go with Doug. Stay with us on rot Rat Sunday. It is the Organic Gardener. Odyssey 100.1 FM AM 1020. KDKA. Good morning. All right. Before we get back to Doug and your phone calls, uh, I also want to remind you, you can reach us at Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. Take the 10th caller right now to win that $25 gift certificate to Janoski's where canning season is underway. That number, ladies and gentlemen, is 412-922-1020. Okay. Doug, ready to go to work? Let's get to uh, Joyce in Ross Township for Doug. Good morning, Joyce. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you, too? Real good. What's your question? Um, Doug, is North Park going to be having the garden
6: in the park this year?
4: You know, I don't really know to tell you the truth. Usually, uh, I, I I doubt it because usually they <laughs> contact me and say, "Hey, can you stop by?" Well, so, you know, usually don't it know. would have
6: been this past set yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I called I, I, I called the the parks and they said they didn't have it on the calendar and I didn't hear anything. I I thought you usually know that that.
4: Yeah, I didn't hear anything, so. Uh, hmm. Okay, I didn't know if who else. Anybody else, if, anybody else knows, if anybody else knows, give us a call eight six six three nine one ten twenty. Let us know, but I don't think so. I think because of uh, COVID and everything that's been going on, that we'll have to wait until next year. But if anybody knows different, give us a call.
3: All right, let's go to uh, Mary's up next for Doug. Hi, Mary.
1: Hi, guys. Um, thanks for taking my call. I have an unusual uh, situation. Last year, I spent about four weeks digging up yucca plants on the perimeter of my driveway. And when it was done, we had asphalt laid, including over the area that used to house the yucca plants. The yucca plants are so ferocious. They are um, creating little volcanoes and coming up through three or four spots in the asphalt. Um, we keep cutting them down, but they keep inching their way back up. Um, what can I do to get rid of these so that they don't destroy the asphalt?
4: Well, probably the best thing is, is as soon as you see any new growth is just to cut it down with a string trimmer and continue to do that until you kill them. Uh, there are some organic herbicides. Uh, one's called Burnout. One's called Nature's Avenger. There's one from, uh, called Natria. Uh, that would be effective in at least slowing them down. I I know, you know, once you have a yucca plant, it is very difficult to get rid of. Uh, I I suggest, when like weekly, whenever you see any new growth, cutting that right down to the ground with a string trimmer and then spraying some organic herbicide on there, and you should win the battle there by the end of the summer.
1: Okay. I already own... Um, natria, and I use it a lot on sidewalk cracks and stuff, so I will give that right. a
4: try. Good luck. Uh, that's going to be a challenge. It always is with the yuccas.
3: Okay, let's get to John. Hey, John, good morning.
5: Good morning, sir. What's your question? Well, I've got a plant in my yard. They tell me it's chicory. It's a uh, purple, bluish-purple flowering plant and in the past couple of years, it wants to take over my yard. I'd like to know what I could use to get rid of it. You know,
4: first I want to see exactly what it is. Uh, if you could send me a picture at dougoster.com. But in general, uh, for stuff like that, it, it, it is using the same technique we're using for the yuccas. Uh, if this is a plant yeah. that is a perennial uh, weed, because uh, chicory is. can... Chicory can be lots of different things. That's, that's the thing. People call chick, lots of different things, they call it chicory. So we need to figure out what it is. Oh. But in general, perennial weeds that come back time and time again, the best way to deal with them is to continually top cut. You know, there are, as we, we just talked about, there are some organic herbicides that uh, some use fatty acids. Uh, which and some use iron to overdose it. If it if it's a broadleaf weed, like it looks like a dandelion weed, yes, uh, that that uh, overdosing it on iron really works well. Uh, that's okay. a, that's a great safe way to deal with uh, a weed like that. But again, I, is I, I there,
5: to see it. Is there I a granule, something like, uh, uh, maybe something I could put in a spreader, pull behind tractor spreader, and spray uh, the whole yard be, with it, that?
4: now the, the, no. the, the stuff that i'm talking about the stuff stuff i'm talking about is liquid so you spot small oh. treating so if we're talking about acres that's not that's not going to work
5: no I, uh, I live in the middle of two acres i would want to do at least the front yard uh, but i thought there might be something that i could put in a spreader that i could pull behind the tractor by doing it individually with a 2 gallon sprayer i don't think i could do all that <laughs> yeah for a period a, of a days paper, anyway it. And send,
4: send me a picture at DougOster.com, and we can get a much better idea of what to do if I see a picture of the actual plant, okay?
3: All right, good call. Let's get to uh, Gloria. Hey, Gloria, good morning. Hello, uh,
6: uh, Doug and Rob. Um, my question is uh, pertaining to a hydrangea plant, and um, I think called earlier in the year to talk to Doug about it. It's 60 years old, but this year it bloomed the most beautiful that it ever has. Now, my concern is uh, I often hear um, Jessica used to say, and Doug too, about the old wood. When you prune it, something about the old wood, could you explain that to me? Because sure, when sure. the fall comes, when the fall comes, I I have the flowers will be dried, and I don't know whether I should clip them all off, and maybe that's concern that that's called the old wood. I I don't understand that too well. Could you okay. explain it to me?
4: So there are there are many different types of hydrangeas, but some of them bloom on the what we call the old wood, which is the wood that's there now. It, they're they're putting on buds. As soon as they finish uh, blooming, they'll start to put on buds, and those buds will sit there all winter long. And so if we were to cut those off, we would not have the flowers.
0: Excuse it would be me, a really great idea
4: it? if you could figure out which type of hydrangea it is. My guess is it's the, the most famous one that people – Really love to grow. It's called Macrophylla or Mophead, with round flowers that are pink or blue. Um, yes, that, I had. Uh,
6: there were blue flowers on it this year, along with pink ones and white. I never saw that before. Okay. But, yeah, um, so I'm, what I'm, I need, what I wanted to ask you though, is when you're talking about the buds. Now, those flowers will dry up. And when the fall gets here, do, is that what I cut them off? Would that be considered the old
7: wood?
4: Technically, yes. But but if you're just going after the uh, the dried flowers, just do it carefully. Just just clip them off if you don't want them on there anymore. Y- if you look closely at the stem, you'll you'll see the buds. They're little, uh, but you'll see the buds. And so okay, you could even just pull the uh dried flowers off if you didn't want them if you were worried that you might be taking off some of the uh the buds the other thing that happens with those buds though even if you don't cut them they're still there a lot of times they'll freeze out during the winter we get these periods where it gets really warm in february march and they start to swell and then it gets really cold and they freeze out and that's what's happening to a lot of people uh-huh uh, and so Do yourself a favor. Go to my website, dougoster.com. I've got a whole article in there all about uh, hydrangeas and this old wood stuff and new wood and different varieties. Uh, But as long as you don't cut those buds off, that's going to be a great thing. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm kind of protecting those buds by by giving them uh, by putting some tomato stakes around the plant and and
6: then the or something to protect yes,
4: them from yes, the frost. But it wouldn't it wouldn't have to be burlap. It could be at ever it could be by an evergreen. But as long as you, the first thing as long as you don't cut those buds off, you'll be fine. Uh, with the, like, again, with those dried flowers, just gently pull them off and you'll be fine. You won't be negatively affecting the plant in any
6: way. All right then. I'm glad I called you to find that out because and I'm glad I think you the, got reason, your bloom. the reason the reason the reason it probably didn't uh, bloom before was I may have been cutting off the wrong parts.
4: Yeah, that could that happens very often.
6: Well, good so luck. I decided after that I would just leave it alone, and this year
3: it's just royal.
4: It's great. Oh, that's great. That's great news. You're lucky to get those beautiful blooms.
3: All right, we'll take a short break. Mrs. all on the other side of the break. But Doug Oster, good morning, and guess who's with him, Doug.
4: It's horticulturalist Denise Schreiber. She's Mrs. Know It All. And Denise, before we get into the diseases, I hope the l- latest rain events uh, left you okay in your garden because you've had a tough run this summer.
7: No, I actually had a piece of a tree come down and take out part of my magnolia. Um, so actually, Davy Tree was here, and we're going to do some serious pruning this fall. Yeah, Sorry I'm tired. I'm done. I'm, I'm ready tough for snow, and I hate to say that. I know. A tough year for you, that's for sure. Yeah. So the um, lady who called in about Garden in the Park, uh, no, they are not having that event this year because everybody has been working remotely at Penn State. So um, they haven't been able to get together and plan anything like that. So Penn State no, real Extension qu- is actually the ones that run that, not the county. Right. Real, real
4: quick before you get to your uh, talking about the diseases, go see those gardens. One in South Park and one in North Park, right?
7: Oh, absolutely. The one in South Park is at the intersection of Maple Springs and Corrigan Drive and um, McConkey Road. On one side is Maple Springs, on the other side is McConkey. There's light. There's plenty of parking there. It's easy to walk, and there's always lots of things to do there next year.
4: And so, what are you seeing in the garden?
7: Well, we're seeing a couple of things. One is rust, which is a turf disease. And obviously our weather has a lot of impact on it this year. Uh, You do want to keep your lawn healthy. That is one thing that, you know, even if you don't have a lot, you can get it. And to know if you actually have rust, you might be walking through your lawn and you'll either have maybe white shoes on, tennis shoes or, you know, socks or something light colored. And you'll notice that you'll have like an orange tinge to everything. And that's when you have rust. So it'll, it'll go away, you know, keep your lawn cut at the right height, uh, not too short, not too long. Um, and it'll, it will go away. You know, it's just one of those things that happens in weather like this. The other uh, thing with, is,
4: with the rust, Denise, a lot of times I hear people say, throw nitrogen on there to try and out, outgrow the, the rust, but that just makes more soft growth. And
7: if we get, you know, we're going to get another it, so wet week coming it up. It doesn't matter. It, it, it right. doesn't matter whether the growth is hardened off or it's soft. That it It doesn't care about the growth it just affects the uh uh, leaves of the grass itself so uh yeah nitrogen would help you know if you have a large property you know you may want to just think about using a liquid nitrogen fertilizer of some kind you know you can also use a granular one but it is going to go away and just about everybody has it you just may not recognize it you can spread it on your shoes or your lawnmower though so just be aware of that
4: And what else are you seeing?
7: Hosta virus X. So uh, it only affects hostas. So I don't want people getting crazy about it. And what you'll notice is it might look like it's starting to, the nasal variegator gets streaks in it, but actually that's the disease. There is no cure. There is no treatment for it once you have it. You have to dig up the plant, get the roots out as much as possible. Do not compost it. Put it in a garbage bag and put it out for pickup. It gets streaky looking and uh, almost watery looking, I guess, is a good way. And while it affects all hostas, you'll see it a lot on Summon Substance. You'll see it on Patriot. You'll see it on Gold Standard. So if you're growing those, go ahead. Now, I will tell you, and I'm not going to make you real happy, is plant swaps are are one of the ways to spread this because somebody may have an asymptomatic plant and give it to somebody else, and then it may break out into the symptoms itself. Uh, Disinfect your tools. Uh, I actually posted a link to a site that will tell you how to disinfect them, but at least one minute you soak your tools in it. And you're not using bleach on it, actually. You're using different uh, chemicals that you can use. You can also use rubbing alcohol, but you got to soak your tools rather than just wiping them off. It's nasty.
4: How long has this one been around? I haven't heard of this one.
7: And well, actually, it's been around, but as people are spreading it with their tools or it's coming in infected from a nursery. And a lot of the nurseries do not know that they have infected plants because they're getting them just as they're coming up out of the pot, whereas the disease, once the plant's almost full grown, you know, like say by the end of June, it's completely leased out, that's when you start seeing the disease. So you can't blame the nursery, but if you got the plant from a nursery, you should notify them. All right, Mrs. Know-it-all, everybody, keep keep
4: your eyes on your hostas. Uh, That's not good news for me since I grow lots and lots and lots of hostas. Uh, I will be answering questions after the show. If we didn't get to your question today, if you just go to uh, DougOster.com, click on the contact button,
3: I'll answer your garden question there. Uh, How are we doing on time, Rob? It is time to exit stage left, Mr. Oster.
4: Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow. every garden you grow
3: all right great stuff Doug stay with us ketchup recipes Coons cooking hour after the news with Rob at (sighs) 8
0: spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too